So glad you're here uh, joining us in the service, whether you're in person or online. Uh, for the last several weeks, we've been working our way through what is called the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that tonight uh, is our prayer service at 5.30, our worship night at 6.30. If you come at 5.30, uh, you need a Bible, a pen, and a journal. Uh, and we're going to uh, join together in a time of prayer. Uh, I think we need it. And then uh, we also need uh, that 6.30 time together in worship. And so uh, tonight, keep that in mind. Also, our Operation Christmas Child is still going on. If you haven't participated in that, you can do that here or you can do that online. So uh, please uh, bless the child this Christmas through Operation Christmas Child. We have been reading the Lord's Prayer together out loud uh, as we've been working our way through that. So one last time, let's stand together. Let's recite uh, this prayer. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the last of three things that Jesus is teaching us to ask for. Uh, we have a Father in heaven who loves us and wants to know our hearts, wants to meet our need, and wants us to ask uh, of him. And so we've been asking, give us, uh, forgive us, and then deliver us or lead us not. So what does this part of the prayer mean, and uh, how, do we, how do we pray it? Okay, so um, I think you would agree with me that it's uh, much easier to pass a test when you know that that test is coming, right? Who, who loves a pop quiz? Uh, nobody likes to be caught off guard. Nobody likes to be put on the spot. Uh, when you know that it's coming, it's much easier to be ready and prepared for it. Um, I'm, in the, I'm in the answer business. Uh, people come to me periodically for advice and counsel and truth, but I'm also a thinker and somewhat of a perfectionist. And so I like to process how I'm going to answer because I want to answer correctly and, and rightly. So when you... Uh, present your questions in a text or an email that gives me time to process exactly what you're asking, gives me time to process how I would like to answer that. I usually reword and rewrite those answers to make sure that it's just right, make sure that I'm saying what I really want to say and that I'm, I'm correct in what I'm saying. It's a lot more stressful when people just catch me on the spot or they want an answer immediately without giving me time to process uh, my own thoughts. It's just nobody likes a pop quiz, right? Um, <clears throat> So here's my point. I think most everybody in this room knows the right thing to do when you need to do the right thing. I don't think, for most of us, we don't, uh, unless we're, we're put on the spot or caught off guard, when we have time to think about it, we know what the right thing is to do. We don't need a lot of counsel or, or advice. Most of us know the right thing to do when we have to do the right thing. But when you're in the throes of things, when you're caught off guard, when you're not prepared, the challenge is when it sneaks up on you and there's too much pressure in the moment to think through the implications of your decision. There's too much emotion or anxiety uh, to process how you should respond to that. If you're not prepared for it, you set yourself up 
uh, for defeat. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's, what does this part of the prayer mean and how, uh, why is it important for us to pray this part of the prayer? Because on the surface of this prayer, much like last week, we're not quite sure. It generates some questions for us. What does he really mean by lead us not into temptation? For instance, James chapter 1, verse 13 tells us that no one should say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer to God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So lead us not into temptation. Is that something that God does? This verse tells us that he doesn't do that. So why, why are we praying for God, for God not to do something that he's already told us that he wouldn't do? So what does this prayer mean? James goes on in that passage, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I think that passage is, is, is pretty straightforward. God does not tempt you. You are tempted by your own desires. We set ourselves up for disaster uh, because we, we have a desire in our hearts that leads us to sin. We'll unpack more of that in just a minute. But what's interesting is at, at the beginning, and for many of you, James chapter 1 is somewhat of a favorite passage. We, we love this teaching um, on trials and temptation because this is the way James starts. In verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness has, uh, ha and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, developing character. So trials at the beginning of this chapter, he says, it's good, embrace it, consider it joy, but then later on in the middle of the chapter, temptation, that's bad. Um, so embrace trials, avoid temptation. Pretty clear. Anybody confused by that? Okay, so let me confuse you <laughs> a little bit because here's the deal. It's the word peresmos, peresmos. In verse 2, when you meet trials, verse 13 when you are tempted, when he is tempted, guess what? This is the same word. In the original language of, of the New Testament, in the Greek language, th this word peremos is translated differently in verse 2, trials, and then in verse 13, temptation. Temptation, trial. The word means test, and it could be either a temptation or a trial. So you could quite easily say, count it a joy when you meet temptations. Or you could pray, Father, lead us not into trials. In either way, we're talking about a test. So when it comes to temptations or trials, what's the difference and how can we tell? So now are you confused? <laughs> you weren't before, but now you are. So here's, here, we, we have what we call a paradox uh, in, this, in this passage, a seeming, a seeming contradiction. It seems to be telling us that trials, and let's just stop here for just a second and let's ask, let's answer our question. Trials. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? When you think about trials. Ah, I never want one. <laughs> I never ask for one. I'm never, I'm never looking for one. In fact, I try to avoid them when they come. Um, so it sounds like trials would be a bad thing, but James is telling us to embrace trials, to consider it joy when you have a trial. Uh, and most of us, I think, have enough biblical teaching to understand that even though trials may be undesirable, that God has a purpose for those trials. I mean, God works all things together for good, right? We never quote that verse without a trial. 
That's the verse we go to when we're in a trial. And so I understand that God allows undesirable things to come into my life to bring about a desirable result or outcome in my life. Liver and lima beans, I understand the benefit, but if it's all the same to you, I'd rather pass, right? Is trial a good thing or a bad thing? Reluctantly, we, we have to accept it as a good thing. Is temptation a good thing or a bad thing? Well, again, I never want one. I don't go looking for them. Uh, I try to avoid them when I have them. I never want to face them. So here's, here's a thought that I want to present. What if God wanted to do with temptation the same thing that he wants to do with trials? What if God had the same purpose for temptation that he has for trials? He, lets, he allows things into our lives, both trials and temptations, and yet James is telling us two different things about trials and temptations. Paradomos. Uh, it's a test. It's a test. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It leads, kind of leads us with, a, with some questions. A, a pro, we know that God uses trials to perfect character. So what's this deal with temptation? Well, let's go back to James. It says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It's the process of temptation from our own evil desires to the point that it destroys us. So verse two, trials that develop us and temptation that destroys us. How are, how are trials and temptations similar? Well, they're, they're both tests. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Trials are external tests. Temptations are internal tests. Trials could be considered uh, from the outside, circumstances beyond your existence, outside of your existence, situations we find ourselves in that challenge our character, that test our hearts. Temptations on the other side are internal tests because James tells us it comes from the desires of our hearts. It could be a circumstance tempting us, but the challenge is generated within us. The problem lies within us because of the condition of our hearts. So again, back to James 14 and 15, we're tempted when we're lured by our own desire. He uses the word desire twice in this passage that gives birth to sin and leads to destruction. In other words, friends, nobody makes you do this. When it comes to temptation, nobody makes you sin. You are not forced into this. You are not manipulated into this. This is something you choose and it's motivated out of the desire of your heart. So both trials and temptations are tests that catch you off guard with different results. Here's, here's the distinction. Trials are designed to develop you. Temptations are designed to defeat you. That's why James says, make sure we understand that temptations to evil uh, don't come from God. God is not evil. You cannot tempt God with evil because he is holy and righteous. And so he doesn't use evil to tempt us, to defeat us. His purpose in allowing things into our lives is not to defeat us, but to develop us. And he can use that evil to bring about good. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What does he mean? Uh, what does it mean to pray that prayer? James says that each person is tempted. He's drawn away. He's drawn away from God by his own internal desires. Where does temptation come from? Well, there are, there are several different resources. Uh, spiritual attack. We, we are in spiritual warfare every day of our lives. You have an enemy 
Peter calls him a lion seeking prey. He's looking for the opportunity, the weakness in your life to seize on your heart, to draw you away from God. You have an enemy, spiritual attack. Secondly, you have the attraction of the world. We live in a broken world with a broken heart. And so we are attracted to the things of this world, popularity, possessions, power, pride, whatever it is, the things of this world seek to destroy us. And then you have you. (laughs) How many of you think that you are your biggest problem? You have your own desires, your broken desires that lead you away from God. And so we fight against our own hearts. We struggle with uh, our own internal issues that war against God and his desire for our lives. And it plays out in all kinds of ways. Let Let me set up a scenario for you. Suppose you and a friend uh, go to lunch. Uh, The waitress seats you at her table, uh, where as you sit down, you and your friend, you notice that squeezed in between the salt and pepper shakers is a folded up $100 bill. The waitress doesn't see it. She just simply walks away. But you notice it. Your friend notices it. And you look at that $100 bill and you say to yourself, well, Jehovah Jireh, this is, you know, she doesn't know that it's there. This is the way that I'm going to pay my electric bill or, you know, what, do whatever I want. And then all of a sudden you catch yourself and you go, oh, seriously. I would steal from a waitress. Uh, how could I do such a thing? What's worse is how could I think such a thing? Where did that thought come from? And I'm certainly not going to steal him from my friend. I mean, he knows it's there too. So, you know, even, why, why am I thinking this? What's wrong with me that I would think this? Any, any takers on it? Have you ever thought, oh, why did I think that? It's just me. I mean, I'm the only one that does that. Okay, well, all right, we'll go on. Uh, but you don't, you don't take it. You don't take it. And good for you. But it bothered you. It bothers you that you entertain the thought. And man, if it was just if it was just stealing from a waitress, but you know, Pastor Tim, you have no idea the thoughts that run through my mind. Well, yes, I do. <laughs> so while you're processing this in nanoseconds, uh, your friend on the other side of the booth, I mean, he wastes no time. He grabs the money. And then he waves it to his waitress, calls her over and says, hey, you didn't see this, but there was a $100 bill folded up on your table. Someone just blessed you. Have a great day. God bless you. And now, besides hating your friend because he's so noble, uh, you hate yourself because you're so depraved. You're just grateful that your friend didn't know what you were thinking. Now, here's the deal, friends. Neither one of you took the money. So it's all good. But this was a test for both of you. And for one of you, it was a temptation. The temptation can be a test. Here's the thing about temptations. No one size fits all. You know, what what tempts you doesn't tempt me. What tempts me doesn't tempt you. But we are all tempted, which, which makes the point, friends, it's not the circumstance you're in. It's the heart that's in you. That's what James is saying. There's a condition of your heart that is drawn that is attracted to certain things that are wrong, but appealing. And God, get this friends, in his mercy, this is a good thing. 
He allows those kinds of situations in our life. What, Paul, what James is saying here is that God will never get you, try to get you to do the wrong thing. He is never out for your failure. He doesn't tempt you to evil. He's out for your good. He's out for your success and your transformation. He wants to change your heart. So he allows those tests into your life, first of all, to expose the condition of your heart because your heart is deceptive. It is deceptive above all things. Most of us can understand our hearts. But secondly, it is destructive to us. And so if we don't guard our hearts against those temptations, our hearts will lead us into places we don't want to go, tempting us to do things we don't want to do. And we fail the test. And so we pray do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Friends, this is not a prayer asking God to exempt us from testing. It is a prayer asking God, our Father in heaven, who loves us to protect us from a test that might overwhelm and destroy us, a test we could not pass. In other words, Father, protect me from the evil one, from the world, from myself, do you understand that? James is telling us, God is not out to destroy you. He's out to develop you, to build you up, to strengthen your heart. So protect us, Father, from a heart that is deceptive and weak. In fact, he's promised to do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. We're all in this together. God is faithful though, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure the testing so that you can come through the testing with deeper character, greater victory. God will never put you in a situation where you cannot win with his presence and power. Now, friends, that is good news because it gives us hope. But many times that's, that's bad news because we have so often failed the test, right? Let me tell you a story of failure in the Gospels, uh, a story that I have grown to love because I relate to it so easily. It's about Peter and Jesus, and it's actually about this line in the prayer that we're studying. How many of you love Peter? I mean, he's got to be one of our favorites, right? He says what he thinks. He says what we are thinking, but we're afraid to say <laughs> He, he, he attempts things that we would like to attempt, but we're too afraid to do that. He's just so real. You always know where he stood, even when he's wrong. I mean, he, he sins boldly, <laughs> but he loves Jesus deeply. So here it is, just hours before the crucifixion. Mark chapter 14 says, Then Jesus said to them, all of his disciples, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, after the resurrection, I will go before you to Galilee. Now, verse 29, Peter said to him, even if all these other losers are made to stumble, I'll, I would never do that. <laughs> Jesus, it's me. It's me you're, you're looking at. It's me you're talking. I would never steal from a waitress. You got to know that about me, right? Verse 30, Jesus said to him, assuredly, Peter, I say to you that today, even this night, in a matter of hours, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Well, this, this made Peter all the more bold. He says, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. I will not, I will, I could never do that. 
And all of the disciples chimed in. Well, the story goes on. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And then he took Peter, James, and John, those three close disciples with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said to them, Peter, in this group, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Watch. Everyone say watch. Watch. And so Jesus uh, goes a little further, falls on the ground and prays, if it were possible, this hour, uh, the hour might pass from me. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, lead me not into temptation and protect me from the evil one. Nevertheless, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not what I will, but what you will. And then he came back to the disciples, those three, Peter included, found them sleeping. And then he said directly to Peter, Simon, why are you sleeping? Could you not watch? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Say that. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Say it again. Watch and pray. Lest you enter temptation, testing, because indeed the spirit is willing. Don't we know it? But the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Well, you know the rest of the story. The soldiers come, they arrest Jesus. Peter finds himself in a courtyard and does exactly what Jesus predicted. But I want you to notice in this story how gracious, how loving Jesus is in this scenario. Let's back up to verse 27. Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble, made to stumble. Jesus predicts their failure. Friends, not to shame them, not to put them on a guilt trip or defeat them or demoralize them. God never uses shame. He never punishes you into purity. He always uses truth with grace to help you see him and see you. Jesus is not setting them up for failure. He's preparing them for battle. Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to be in a situation that's going to defeat you. And so you need to watch and pray. This is the key, Peter, to your success. Watch and pray. There's a way out for you, Peter. You don't have to do this. You are not trapped in this. So if you are attentive, if you are praying, if you are leaning on me, if you are leaning on your Father, you can prepare yourself if you just watch and pray. All of you are made to stumble. What does it mean to stumble? Well, generally, uh, you stumble over things you don't see, right? A toy underneath your feet, the parking lot bumper <laughs> as you're making your way. How many, of you, you know, how many broken arms have there been because of that, that cement bumper that you didn't notice as you're making your way into the store? There could be the smallest thing, a ripple on the carpet that you just didn't notice and you fall flat on your face. Peter just doesn't see himself. He stumbled because he didn't know who he was. Now, again, friends, here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus sees in them the potential to stumble he, he doesn't predestine them to sin. He's just trying to help Peter understand his own heart because Peter doesn't see it. He sees things in Peter that Peter is oblivious to. So Peter, you just, you just need to watch and pray. Watch him, be attentive to your own heart. Lean on your father. Pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, if you're not praying, if you're not watching, you just set yourself up for defeat. Friends, you're not praying this for God's sake. You're praying this for yours. 
you're praying this so that you can see in yourself the issues that you have that make you stumble. By praying this, you're admitting to your Father in heaven, I don't trust myself. I can't depend on myself. I don't even know my own heart. I'm oblivious to my own propensity to sin. So Father, protect me from anything that would defeat me. Just simply help me pass the test. Help me see. Help me be attentive to the temptation designed to defeat me and the evil one intent on destroying me. Friends, this prayer is a safeguard against any of that pretension and arrogance, that false sense of security, that misguided view of yourself that you think you can handle these things on your own. You're praying to the one who knows you better than you know yourself and loves you more than you could comprehend. Your father, and you're asking him, you're telling him, without, intervention, without your intervention in my life, I would just simply self-destruct. By the way, what Jesus is teaching us to pray on our behalf is exactly what Jesus prayed on our behalf. In John chapter 17, which is recorded what we should be calling the Lord's Prayer, because this is actually the prayer that the Lord prayed, and he prayed for us. He prayed on our behalf. In verse 15, he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now, what is he saying? This is what Jesus prays for Peter. This is what Jesus prays for you and me. I do, not pray, I do not pray that you would take them out of the world, that you would exempt them from the testings of their life, be it trial or temptation. I'm just praying that you protect them from the evil one, that they would not be destroyed by the, by the world, by their enemy, by themselves. So you can see that uh, you know, a test can be a trial, it can be a temptation. It just all depends on the condition of our hearts. Things that you can't see, things that you've not prepared for things that you're vulnerable to. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's the thing about Peter, and I imagine it's true of most of you in this room. There's no reason to believe that that Peter didn't believe his own declaration. I'll go to the death with you, Jesus. I believe believe Peter meant what he said. (laughs) I believe Peter believed he would do that. But when it came time to deliver, his heart was exposed. I do not believe that this was a flippant thought on Peter's. It was certainly foolish, but it wasn't arrogant. Deny you, Jesus. I've been walking with you for three years. I could could never do that. I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never never steal from a waitress. You've got to believe me. I would never. You fill in your own blank. Because friends, given the right circumstance, the right time, the right condition of your heart in that particular moment. Friends, thinking of yourself too highly is what puts you in jeopardy of failure. So watch and pray. This doesn't have to defeat you if you watch and pray. You have an escape route if you watch and pray. In fact, God can use this to your benefit if you watch and pray. Well, it's important for us to finish this story because God is never out for your defeat. He is always out for your success. He's always out for your character development. He's always out for your victory. He never uses shame to push you into, dis- into obedience. And even those failures when you, when you don't pass the test, those things that most defeat you, God uses those to bring about growth and character 
if we're watching and praying. So Luke, this is a parallel passage in the same situation. Luke records this exchange. Uh, Jesus says to, to Peter, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Friends, nothing comes to you without the permission from your father. So Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail and that when you have returned to me, strengthen your breath. Friends, this is so powerful. I love this. This gives me so much hope. Every test in your life is a sifting, is a sifting. We understand sifting. When you sift wheat, uh, it is the, for the purpose of retaining the grain and disposing of the chaff. Sifting is where you separate the good stuff from the bad stuff. You keep the good stuff and you throw the bad stuff away. Every test in your life is a sifting. And you have a father who allows you to be sifted. Why? Well, nobody likes it and nobody wants it and nobody prays for it and asks for it, but you have a father who loves you and he wants you to know your own heart and he wants you to develop character. Search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there is anything in me. You remember that verse? Because I don't know my own heart. And so you have a father who wants to, you to realize how much you need him to protect you. He allows the sifting for your own good. But friends, there's, a, there's another side to this scenario. You also have an enemy. You have an accuser, a liar. A Jesus calls him the tempter. And he wants to use that sifting to throw out the good and hold on to the bad. That's the story here, friends. Jesus says Satan wants to sift you so that only the bad remains. He wants, to, he wants to use your failure to accuse you. He wants to use the bad to defeat you. He wants to convince you through this, this pa not passing of the test, to, to convince you that you're no good and that you're not worthy and that God does not love you and that your life is a sham. What a hypocrite you are. But Jesus says, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. I'm not removing the sifting because I want to use this sifting to hold on to the good. And after you have been sifted, I want you to return to me because you are forgiven and loved and accepted and you are useful to me. You are, you are worth it. You are worth it. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why do I pray this prayer? Because I cannot take the sifting without Jesus. And I wanna pass the test. I can't pass the test without the Father protecting me and providing a way out of the test. I need God to purify my heart and use those fiery trials of testing to deepen my character and strengthen my faith. So I need the Father to temper the flame so that I'm not destroyed because I want to pass the test. Anybody here want to pass the test? <laughs> we all want to pass the test. Friends, this is the good news. This is the gospel. Hebrews chapter two says, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. A couple of chapters later, it says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings that we do. Yet he, he passed the test. Think back to Jesus in the wilderness. Why did you, why, Luke 4 tells us that the spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. God led him, lead us not into temptation. Jesus was actually led into the wilderness and the, uh, 
The Spirit put Jesus in a position of testing and Satan used that situation to try to destroy him, to try to draw him away from God. And yet God used it for good. In Luke 14, 4, 14, it says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. I'm not quite sure I understand that, but for some reason, Jesus was able to return from that wilderness experience with more of the Spirit's power in him than when he uh, first entered into that. So what is true of Jesus can also be true of you and me when we watch and pray and allow God to do the sifting in our lives to show us that we have a Jesus who understands the sifting in our lives, what it's, what it's like to be tested. There's nothing that you face, friends, that Jesus has not conquered for you. Jesus is the one that passed the test. That's the gospel. <laughs> this is where it really gets good because all of us, friends, all of us have failed the test. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus passed the test for you. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus passed the test for you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, but Jesus passed the test for you. So because Jesus passed the test, guess what? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus passed the test for you. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so, so overwhelmingly grateful that you went before us and that you were tested in every way that we were and you passed that test for us. And so, Father, may we live in the freedom of that grace and in the confidence of your love to allow our hearts to be sifted because we want to know our hearts. We want you to strengthen our hearts and we want to pass the test. We are so grateful that the cross has passed the test for us and we live, Father, in that gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.